What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Hometown Sports Podcast, hosted by Jeremy Lowry. So today's episode, I'm going to talk about the MLB wildcard round, which is kicking off today. First pitch will be a 3-0-8 between the Tampa Bay Rays and the Texas Rangers. I'll preview that series. I'm going to go through each series, give you my thoughts on each matchup, and give a whole prediction of the playoffs and who I think is going to win each round. Probably for each round of the playoffs, I'll record an episode and give my predictions for each individual round. So I'll give you what I think is going to happen throughout the entire playoffs from this point on, and then after this series is over, I'll reevaluate my bracket and see where teams are that are still alive and maybe give some different predictions based on what I see in the first round in the wild card round. So let's break down the seedings in the American League and the National League. Starting off with the American League, the number one team is the Baltimore Orioles. Number two is the Houston Astros. It came down to the last game of the regular season, and they ended up winning on Sunday with the Rangers losing on Sunday. So they clinched the AL West. Painful for the Texas Rangers, considering they could have used four extra days of rest, but now they'll have to play in the wild con round versus Tampa Bay. The Rangers spent 159 days in first place and didn't win the division, coming down to game 162, and they end up losing and losing their chance to have a first-round bye. The number three team in the AL is the Minnesota Twins. They won the AL Central, a division that was just weak all season. The number four seed is the Tampa Bay Rays. Number five is the Texas Rangers. And number six is the Toronto Blue Jays. Now for the National League, number one, the Atlanta Braves, who hit 307 home runs this season as a team, which broke an MLB record. Number two is the Los Angeles Dodgers. Number three, Milwaukee Brewers. Number four, Philadelphia Phillies. Number five, Miami Marlins. And number six, the Arizona Diamondbacks. So these teams I mentioned, there's six in the American League, six in the National League. The top two seeds of each league, so the Baltimore Orioles, Houston Astros, and then the Braves and the Dodgers, they'll both have first-round buys in their respective leagues, so the AL and the NL, leaving there to be two matchups in the wildcard round into each league. So I'll break down those matchups. The wildcard teams will play in a best-of-three series starting today with the highest seed hosting the best-of-three series. So the teams with the buy will be the Braves, Dodgers, Orioles, Astros. I'll talk more about these teams whenever we know their matchups in the divisional round. For now, I will make predictions based off of today and the matchups in the wildcard round. Then I'll give my thoughts for the divisional round based on who I think is going to advance from the wildcard round. And then I'll do the same for the championship series in the AL and the NL, and then obviously the World Series as well. After each round, though, I'll give a prediction for that each individual round that's coming up. So after the wildcard round's over, I'll give my thoughts on the MLB divisional round and who I think is going to win each individual matchup. So for the Braves, best record in the MLB, dominant at the plate and on the mound. The Dodgers really turned things up in August, 24-5 record in August with a plus 81 run differential. They were 49-24 in the second half of the season with a plus 31 run differential in the second half. So they really got things going after the All-Star break, especially in the month of August, like I mentioned. They had just a plus 76 run differential in the first half of the season where there were a lot more games but had a plus-131 run differential in the second half. So they really got things going at the right time. We'll see how they do in the playoffs. The Orioles, I'm very happy for them and their fan base. They deserve this more than any other playoff team, in my opinion. They just won the AL East after their years of devastation over the last five years. To make it to the playoffs was only a dream for this team a couple years ago, and now they're built to be a powerhouse for years to come in the AL. Then for the Astros, they've been a powerhouse for years now. It's just not a surprise to see them as a championship contender for another year. Alex Bregman mentioned in the locker room after they won the AL West, he said people were wondering what it was going to be like if the Astros didn't win the division. And he said, I guess we'll never know. And he's right. I mean, I guess we'll never know what it would have been like with, for them not to win the division. It just seems automatic that they win the AL West every single year. So now I'm going to talk about each individual matchup. The Blue Jays will be playing at the Twins. The winner of this matchup will face Houston for a best of five series in the MLB divisional round. If you look at it, the Twins 
87-75 record on the year, but in a very weak division, they were 45-46 at the All-Star break and they really turned things around in the second half, 42-29 since the All-Star break with a 592 win percentage. They were 18-9 in September, so they're coming into this series pretty hot with a plus 74 run differential in the month of September. Minnesota hasn't won a playoff game though since 2004, so obviously this team has just been dying to win a playoff game for so many years now, basically two decades since the last time they won a playoff game. They will have rookie Royce Lewis in their lineup, 2017 number one overall pick, played just 33 games above high A in the minor leagues. He tore his ACL in the 2021 season, has been suffering a lot of injuries over his career now in the professionals. On the season, he's played in 58 games for the Twins with 15 home runs. The guy just needs to stay healthy. They will not have their stud outfielder Byron Buxton for the series, who had a tough year this year, battling injuries and also the plate. Just 17 home runs with a 207 batting average in 85 games. Once again, missing a good amount of games for another season. He has not played since August 1st. We'll see if they were to advance if he would play in the next round. Carlos Correa is their star player. 18 home runs on the year, 230 batting average with a 711 OPS. They have two very good starting pitches in Pablo Lopez and Sonny Gray. Pablo Lopez on the year 11-8 with a 3.66 ERA, a 1.15 whip, and 234 strikeouts and 194 innings pitched. His last seven outings, he has gotten hit around, though, just a 2-2 two two record with a 4.24 ERA and a 281 batting average against him. That's obviously not great. Sonny Gray, though, has been great in his last seven starts. He's been elite, 2-2 two two record, seven earned runs in his last 41 innings pitched with a 1.54 ERA and a 219 batting average against him. He has an 8-8 eight eight record on the year with a 2.79 ERA and a 1.14 whip. They have a team ERA of 3.87, which is sixth best in the MLB. And they also average 9.67 strikeouts per game, which is number one in the MLB for a pitching staff. They have a 243 team batting average, which is 21st in baseball, and average 4.8 runs per game, which is 10th best in baseball. One thing for the Twins is that they have two very good starting pitches. And then if you look at the Blue Jays, they have very good starting pitching as well. So this is going to be a very good series. I'm excited to see who wins it. As for the Blue Jays, they have a 3.78 team ERA, which is fourth best in baseball. They also average 9.47 strikeouts per game, which is third best in the major leagues. They give up just 8.22 hits per game, which is ninth best. Minnesota gives up just about eight per game, which is sixth best. So two very good pitching staffs. If you look at it, Toronto's offense is very strong. That's obviously a big strong suit for them, considering how much power they have in that lineup. The most consistent part of their offense is Bo Bichette, 20 home runs, 73 RBIs with an 814 OPS and a 306 batting average. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. has not had as great of a season as he has in years past, but still a power threat and a solid player. 26 home runs, 94 runs batted in, just a 264 batting average from him and a 788 OPS. The Blue Jays are 89 and 73 on the year. They were 50 and 41 at the All Star break. Then after the All-Star break, 39-32, a 5.49 win percentage before the All-Star break, and then as well after the All-Star break. So they have been consistent on the season. Matt Chapman on the year, 17 home runs, a 54 RBI total, with the 7.55 OPS and a 2.40 batting average. And then George Springer, another power threat in that lineup, 21 home runs, 72 runs batted in, 20 stolen bases, a 7.32 OPS, and a 2.58 batting average. They have a team batting average of 2.58, which is eighth best in baseball. They average 4.6 runs per game, which is 14th best. They have a 3.78 team. ERA, like I mentioned, which is fourth best in the MLB. So considering both teams are very good pitching staffs, this is going to be a very good series. I think Toronto wins this one in three games. Next up, we have the Rangers at the Rays. Two of the best offenses in the game going at it. So in the first series that I mentioned, we had the Twins and the Blue Jays going at it. Two very good pitching staffs. In this series, we have the Rangers and Rays. Two of the best offenses in the game of baseball going at it. The winner of this series will face Baltimore for a best of five series in the divisional round. If these games are close, both teams have struggled in close games this season. 
Both of them are bad in one-run games. The Rangers are 14 to 22, which is third worst in win percentage in the game of baseball, and the Rays are 22 and 25 in one-run games, which is 19th in win percentage in the game of baseball. The Rays are 13 and 7 over the last 20 games played. The Rangers are 12 and 8. The Rays are 2 and 4 versus Texas on the season, so Texas has had their number on the year. Texas 27 runs against the Tampa Bay Rays this season. The Rays have scored 25, so Texas has outscored them 27 to 25 in their six games played. The last time they played was for a three-game series in July. Texas swept them, won all three games. In June, though, the Rays took two of three. So we'll see what happens in this series. The Rays have a 4.53 team ERA versus Texas on the season, and they hit just 219 versus Texas on the year as an offense with a 720 team OPS. If you look at the Rangers, they had a 246 team batting average in six games versus the Rays with a 732 team OPS. The Rangers have a 263 team batting average overall in the season, which is second best in the MLB, and they average 5.44 runs per game, which is third best overall in the major leagues. They have not won a playoff game since 2015, so I think this could be a big way for them to really turn the franchise around. They've made a lot of big moves over the last few years. They haven't been afraid to go out and make a big move, whether it's signing Jacob DeGrom in the offseason, trading for Max Scherzer, trading for Jordan Montgomery. They've not been afraid to make a big move. I'm rooting for this team to make a run in the playoffs this year. They found a way to turn things around over the last month, but they almost missed the playoffs. They lost eight games in a row in the month of August, but then they responded well, got themselves back on track, and now they will be in the playoffs. Unfortunately, they do miss out on winning the AL West and getting a first-round bye, but at the end of the day, just to make the playoffs for them is obviously a lot of progression for this franchise. They were 52 and 39 in the first half of the season, just 38 and 33 in the second half. They are 2 and 8 on the season in extra innings, so they can't let any game get to extra innings. Any close game, they have to find a way to win that in the first nine innings. I really like their lineup, though. They have a ton of power. They average 1.44 home runs per game, which is third best in the major leagues. Corey Sega is their best hitter in the lineup, number two in the American League in batting average on base percentage, slugging percentage, and OPS. He finished the year with 33 home runs, 96 runs batted in, all of that in just 119 games played with a 327 batting average and a 1013 OPS. Was right there for the American League MVP, but it will be Shohei Otani winning that. It's hard to not give it to Otani, but Corey Seager in any other year probably would win it. Marcus Simeon has had a very good season as well, a 276 batting average with an 826 OPS, 29 home runs, and 100 runs batted in. Adolis Garcia, another power threat in that lineup, 39 home runs, 107 runs batted in, a 245 batting average, and an 836 OPS. One question for this team is whether or not Nathan Evaldi can wake up. He will be the number two starter in the wild card round, but he has struggled since coming back from injury. On the season, 12-5 and five with a 3.63 earned run average and a 1.14 whip. Before getting injured in July, he was one of the best pitchers in the major leagues. An 11-3 record before July getting hurt with a 2.69 ERA and 19 starts with a 178, a 178 batting average against him. After coming back, though, in September... Just 1-2-4 record with 21 runs allowed in 20.1 innings pitched with 21 strikeouts to 13 walks, a 9.3 ERA, and a 313 opponent batting average against him. He only has one win since July 18th, so he really struggled since coming back in September. As I said, a 9.3 ERA since coming back when before he got hurt, a 2.69 ERA. We'll see if he can respond for them in Game 2. In Game 1, it will be Jordan Montgomery going today versus Tampa Bay. One of the major acquisitions for them at the trade deadline, besides Max Scherzer, was Jordan Montgomery. 10-11 and 11 record on the season with a 3.2 ERA and a 1.2 whip. It didn't look like the biggest trade at the deadline, but considering all of the injuries they've had, and obviously DeGrom going down, and then the same for Max Scherzer, they need somebody to step up. So Montgomery ends up being a very big acquisition for them at the deadline, who we started Game 1 for them today. He has a 4-2 record in 11 starts with the Rangers on the year with a 2.79 ERA and a 1.09 whip. Left-handed pitcher Andrew Heaney may be getting the start in Game 3 of that series 
does go to three games. He has a 10-6 record on the year with a 4.15 ERA and a 1.38 whip. They do need to pitch better, though, Texas. A 5.17 ERA in September. They had a 4.62 team ERA in the second half of the year compared to just a 4.01 team ERA in the first half. So, obviously, the pitching did regress a little bit in the second half, partly because of injuries. Obviously, Jacob DeGrom getting hurt, Nate Evaldi getting hurt, and obviously, Max Scherzer as well, not being able to pitch for them much since being traded from the Mets to the Rangers. They just haven't really had much luck with injuries. And another thing is that their bullpen has to be better. In the second half of the season, the bullpen has a 5.01 ERA. On the season, though, a 4.28 team ERA, which is 18th best in the game of baseball, and a 1.27 whip, which is 12th best in the game of baseball. But injuries have hurt them a ton. Max Scherzer will be out of the wildcard series with a shoulder injury. He may come back at some point in the playoffs if they do advance. This team, though, would be so much more dangerous if Jacob DeGrom could find a way to stay healthy, and the same for Max Scherzer. Imagine these two guys in this rotation with Nate Evaldi, Jordan Montgomery, Andrew Heaney. That's a stacked rotation there. I just love how much this team went all in. They weren't afraid to make a big move, and that's why I'm rooting for them to do big things in this playoff series versus the Rays. The Rays had a great record in the first half of the season, 58-35 and 35 record in the first half with the 3.7 team ERA as a pitching staff. In the second half, though, 41-28 record with a 4.1 team ERA. So obviously the team ERA did raise in the second half of the season. Injuries have crushed them, though. Shane McClanahan, an AL Cy Young candidate, who's 11-2 on the year, 3.29 ERA, ended up getting Tommy John surgery. The same goes with Jeffrey Springs, another good pitcher for them, both of them going down with Tommy John surgery. So both of them will be out for the remainder of this season and probably miss a good amount of next season as well. Drew Rasmussen also had seizing-ending elbow surgery as well. So three major pitches for them, all out with elbow injuries. And they still are without Juan DeFranco. He's still being investigated for off-the-field issues. But they do always find a way to win games. They always find a way to get production from their pitchers, whether it's a guy they have in AAA or they make a big trade. They always find a way to get production out of guys, especially the bullpen, a 3.81 reliever ERA on the season. As for the starting rotation, Tyler Glasnow will be the starter today. 10-7 record on the year with a 3.53 ERA and a 1.08 whip. He did miss a couple of weeks in the month of August. Since returning, though, in mid-August, just a 5-4 record with a 4.03 ERA. He hasn't been as great since coming back from his injury, but on the season, 10-7 record with a 3.53 ERA. Very good pitcher, but he has struggled since coming back from an injury. My guess is that the number three starter will be Aaron Savali if the series does go three games. Zach Eflin will be getting the ball for them in game two on the season. It was very good for them. He was a great signing for them in the offseason. The Red Sox were close to getting him, but he ended up signing with the Tampa Bay Rays for the same amount of money. 3.5 ERA from him on the year with a 1.02 whip, a 235 batting average against him, and a 16-8 record in 31 starts. He has been great. He'll be the number two pitcher for them in this wildcard series. And the number three, as I said, Aaron Savali, who they got from Cleveland to the trade deadline. He has struggled, though, since being traded from Cleveland to Tampa Bay. A 5.36 ERA for the Rays with a 279 batting average against him and a 2-3 record in 10 starts. When he was with Cleveland, though, he was great. 5-2 record and 13 starts with a 2.34 ERA. We'll see if he does get things going in the playoffs for them. The Rays have a team ERA of 3.86, which is 5th best in the game in baseball. Also averaging 9.41 strikeouts per game, which is 4th best in the game, and a 1.18 team whip, which is number 1 in the game of baseball. Their offense has been hot all season. A little bit cooler in the second half of the year, but still very talented and strong. They have a team batting average of 260 on the year, which is 3rd best in the game of baseball. Averaging 5.31 runs per game, which is 4th best. And also they have 160 stolen base on the year 160 stolen bases on the season which is fourth best in the major leagues 
Yandy Diaz is the best hitter for average, a 330 batting average with 22 home runs, 78 runs batted in in the 932 OPS. Randy Arozarena, 23 home runs, 254 batting average, a 789 OPS with 22 stolen bases. As you can tell, he's a major power speed threat, 23 home runs, 22 stolen bases. Now I'm going to move on to talk about the Diamondbacks at Brewers. The Diamondbacks have not won a playoff game since 2017, so this series is obviously big for them. The winner of this series will face the Dodgers for a best-of-five series in Los Angeles for Game 1. Both the Diamondbacks and the Brewers have offenses that are middle of the pack in runs per game. The Diamondbacks on the air are 4-2 versus the Brewers in the regular season with a plus-11 run differential. No one expected them to be in this position. But congrats to them on a great season. We'll see what they can do in the series versus Milwaukee. Their offense has a 250 batting average as a team which is 13th best in the game of baseball, so middle of the pack. They have 166 stolen bases, though. One thing they do very well is use their speed to their advantage. 166 stolen bases a ton. That's second best in the game of baseball, so they use their youth and speed to their advantage. Corbin Carroll, rookie player for them, has been great on the year. 25 home runs, 76 runs batted in. 54 stolen bases, a 285 batting average, and an 868 OPS. We'll see what he can do. He's been great on the year. Surprised right away when he got the call up. He was the number one prospect in the game of baseball. The Diamondbacks called him up early in the season. And one thing he never did was disappoint. The entire season, he was putting up big numbers for them. Christian Walker is their big power hitter. 33 home runs on the year with 103 runs batted in and an 830 OPS. Their pitching staff has a 4.48 ERA, which is 20th best in the game of baseball. And they have a 1.32 whip, which is 19th in the game of baseball. So basically in the bottom 10 for ERA and whip. They do have two very good starting pitches, though. Zach Gowan is their ace. He was start in game two. A 17-9 record on the year with a 3.47 ERA and a 1.12 whip. Merrill Kelly is a very strong second ace. He was start in a potential game three for them. A 12-8 record on the year with a 3.29 ERA and a 1.2 whip. As for the Brewers, Brandon Woodruff is dealing with a shoulder injury. He will not play in the wild card round, so it's a big loss to their pitching staff. Their offense is a 240 batting average. It's 23rd in the game of baseball, so bottom 10 there. And they also average 4.49 runs per game, which is 17th best in the game of baseball, so in the bottom half there as well. So their offense really hasn't been getting going all season. Willie Adams is their best power hitter, though, a guy that I was very high on coming into the season. Did show a lot of power this season, but his batting average was not there. Just a 217 batting average with a 717 OPS, but 24 home runs and 80 runs batted in. Christian Yelich had a big bounce back year for them, 19 home runs on the season. That's one thing that they needed going into the year was him to turn back time, and he ended up doing so. 19 home runs, 76 runs batted in with an 818 OPS and a 278 batting average. They picked up Mark Hanna at the trade deadline. He ended up being a big piece of them in their run to make the postseason. Played in 50 games for Milwaukee with five home runs, 33 runs batted in, and also added in a 287 batting average and an 800 OPS. Obviously a major piece for them at the trade deadline. He ended up being a very big part of their offense. Their pitching staff is the number one ERA in the game of baseball. A 3.71 ERA on the year for the Brewers pitching staff, which is best in the game of baseball, like I mentioned. They average 7.6 hits allowed per game, which is also number one in the major leagues. They have 16 shutouts as a team, which is second best in the major leagues, and a 1.19 team whip, which is 19th in the MLB. Corbin Burns is their number one. 3.39 ERA on the year with a 10-8 record and a 1.07 whip. He'll be getting the start in game one. And then Freddie Peralta will be their number two starter in the wild card round. A 12-10 record on the year with a 3.86 ERA and a 1.12 whip. So now I'm going to move on to the last series, and that's the Marlins at the Phillies. 
The Marlins were 7-6 on the year versus Philly in 13 games played. So seven wins for the Marlins, six wins for the Phillies. The winner of this series will face Atlanta for a best of five. So obviously NL East, there's a big part of that bracket is the NL East. You're going to have an NL East matchup in the wild card round and then obviously in the divisional round as well because one of those two teams is going to be facing Atlanta. The Marlins have not won a playoff game since 2020. This is just their second time making the playoffs since 2003. They're a dangerous team in my opinion though. I'm rooting for them to win this series since I do like Jazz Chisholm a lot. 19 home runs on the season with a 252 batting average, 52 runs batted in, with 22 stolen bases and a 767 OPS in just 97 games played. One issue for him in the majors has been staying healthy, and this season was the same as the last few years. He did miss some games with injuries. Jorge Soler, 36 home runs on the season with a 250 batting average, 75 runs batted in, and an 853 OPS. Big bounce back year for Soler. Soler energy, like I predicted at the beginning of the season, would have a bounce back year. Item being the MLB home run king at the beginning of the season. I did miss out on that, but it's still an impressive season for him. Luis Arise, the most dangerous hitter in the game of baseball probably, had 10 home runs on the season for Miami's offense with a 354 batting average, 69 runs batted in, and an 861 OPS. At one point at the midway point of the year, people were talking about him being able to get a 400 batting average on the year. Ended up falling short of that, but still in a very impressive season for him, a 354 batting average to close out the regular season. The pitching staff is in the middle of the pack in ERA with a 4.22 team ERA, which is 16th best in the majors. But they do have a good average in strikeouts per game with 9.34 strikeouts per outing, which is fifth best in the game of baseball. Jesus Luzado will be starting for them tonight in Game 1. He's actually a hometown kid for the Marlins, so being able to start Game 1 of the players, I'm sure, is very special for him. He has a 10-9 record on the season with a 3.63 ERA and 32 starts, with 208 strikeouts and 178.2 innings pitched. Tomorrow, it'll be the left-handed pitcher Braxton Garrett on the mound for the Marlins, a 9-7 record on the year with a 3.66 ERA and a 1.15 whip. Their offense... Has a 259 batting average as a team, which is fourth best in the major leagues. And they also average 4.12 runs per game, which is 26th in the major leagues. So they have a very good team batting average, which is fourth best in the majors. But they average just four runs per game, just about, which is 26th in the majors. The Phillies made it to the World Series last season. They start off this season slow, but turned things around in the second half. They had a 42-31 record in the second half of the season after the All-Star break. They have a team batting average of 256, which is 8th best in the majors. They also average 4.91 runs per game, which is 8th best in the MLB. They have a 4.02 team ERA, which is 11th best in the MLB, and a 9.07 strikeouts per game average, which is 9th best in the majors. So their pitching staff is top 10 in the major leagues in ERA just about in strikeouts per game. Starting tonight, it'll be Zach Wheeler on the mound for the Phillies. He has a 3 ERA in 3 starts versus Miami on the season. Overall in the year, though, 13-6 record with a 3.61 ERA and a 1.08 whip. Game 2, it'll be Aaron Nola on the mound for the Phillies. A 12-9 record on the season with a 4.46 ERA and a 1.15 whip. He has struggled versus the Marlins on the year. That's why I think the Marlins are dangerous in the series. He has 12 earned runs allowed in 16 innings pitched versus Miami overall in the year with a 6.75 ERA versus the Marlins. And a 1.5 whip. As for the Phillies offense, Trey Turner really turned things around. He was struggling in the first half of the season. And at that point when everybody was bashing him for how poor he looked and how much he was striking out, I defended him because I thought he's too good of a hitter to be struggling that long. And obviously he's proved why he was given that contract. In the last 45 games played, a 337 batting average with 15 home runs, 37 runs batted in, 9 stolen bases, and a 1055 OPS. Overall in the season, 26 home runs, a 266 batting average with 76 runs batted in, 30 stone bases, and a 778 OPS on the year. The other big piece in that lineup is Bryce Hopper, 21 home runs on the season with a 293 batting average and a 900 OPS. 
in 126 games played. He did miss some of this season with an elbow injury, but we all know how good he was in October last season getting the Phillies to the World Series, so we'll see what he can do this year and if he can make magic happen yet again. Nick Castellano still in this lineup. Brandon Mosh still in this lineup. Still a similar lineup from last year. Bryson Stott still there, and they still also have JT Ramudo a catcher, so this lineup is still very dangerous. I think this series will be a very even one. I think it'll be going down to the wire. Now I'm going to give my wild card predictions. I have the Blue Jays over the Twins in three games. I have the Rangers over the Rays in a surprise two-game series. I have the Brewers over the Diamondbacks in three games, and I have the Marlins over the Phillies in three as well. I think the Phillies could very well win this series in probably two games, but I like the Marlins, so I want to roll with them here and maybe send some positive vibes their way. So I'm going to go with the Marlins in three games. I think they're a very dangerous team. At the same time, I could see the Marlins winning in three, just like I could see the Phillies winning in two games. The Phillies have a lot of talent. Their lineup's very dangerous, but I think the Marlins could be a spoiler for them. I don't think they wanted to see the Marlins. The Marlins had a 7-6 record against them in the regular season. They didn't want to see the Marlins in the wildcard round. As for what I think should happen in the rest of the playoffs, if this is the way things do work out in the wild card round, I'm going to give my predictions for the division series and then obviously the ALCS, NLCS, and the World Series based on who I've advancing in the wild card round. In the division series is a 2-2-1 format meeting. The highest seed will have the first two home games, game one and game two. Then the lowest seed will be having the game three and game four at home. And then game five would be going back to the highest seed for their home field advantage. The AL division series Based on what I have in my predictions would be Toronto at Houston and then the Rangers at Orioles. And then for the NL Division Series, based on my wild card predictions, it would be the Brewers at Dodgers and the Marlins at the Braves. Now I'm going to give my predictions for the divisional round. I'm going to go Houston over Toronto in five games. The Rangers over the Orioles in five games. I think that would be a great series to watch. The Dodgers over the Brewers in four and then the Braves over the Marlins in four. The ALCS and NLCS would come down to this. Texas over Toronto in six games. And then the Dodgers over the Braves in seven. And then my World Series prediction, I kind of stayed consistent with since probably the middle of part of August, maybe the first week of August, I said the Dodgers over the Rangers. And I'm going to stay with the Dodgers over Rangers in six games. The best part of the MLB playoffs is this, is that upsets happen so often that a pitcher, if he gets hot, like a starting pitcher or a starting rotation gets hot or a bullpen turns things around or bats catch fire, a team can get dangerous in the playoffs and make a run. So I'm excited to see who rises to the top this year in the MLB wildcard round and obviously for the rest of the playoffs as well. At the midway point of the season at the All-Star break, I the Braves over the Rangers from our World Series prediction. I'm going to change that, though, to the Dodgers over the Rangers in six games. I think that would be a great series to watch. The Rangers do have things to figure out. Obviously, the pitching is still an issue. Nate Evaldi has to be the Nate Evaldi for the first half of the season before he got hurt. And maybe Max Scherzer coming back. If he were to be able to come back from injury, that could be a big boost to that lineup. We'll see if that's the case. Anyways, that will conclude this episode. Thank you guys so much for taking the time to listen to this. As always, I appreciate it. I hope you guys have a good one, and I will see you guys in the next episode. Thank you.